You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. And it is the Oz Network. Here we are. We're back with some nip tuck. We're we're slowly ploughing through this uh, season three. Uh, we're into uh, I think this is episode four. Raya Reynolds, um, first seen on the 11th of October 2005. Um, it's a pretty interesting episode, this one, so I'm looking forward to getting into all the details that are in this one. Um, so you're with me, I'm Nick, and uh, no part of you, of you being or having an asshole could shock me. And my name is Ben, and is this a podcast or an open mic night at the Lesbian Coffee Bar? Well, it can be. I mean, don't let me stop you. Yeah, well, I mean, I like a good lesbian coffee bar as much as the next man, so sure. Well, yeah. Who doesn't? Who doesn't? <laughs> but uh, no, look, looking forward to this, and we're kind of getting back into the, the Carver storyline after a bit of a detour through to the, the Mac side of things, although there's obviously a lot of Mac to cover in this episode. Um, we're starting to, to head back towards the, the Carver stuff, which is kind of central to this whole season, I suppose. So um, it's good to kind of get back there, and this one feels a bit of a, you know, back to basics in some ways as well, because, you know, the, the main kind of character that you get in this episode is... Um, just, you know, like a really relatable story that I think everybody likes. So, yeah, no, I'm looking forward to going through this one. I don't know about you. Look, I think kind of the next few episodes here really, to me, signify season three, that we're kind of, we're all over the place. And it's kind of, you know, whereas one and two are sort of stock standard, you know, what we love about this show, even sort of the bad episodes, you still feel you're watching Nip Tuck. There is just some elements in the ne- in the coming episodes which really kind of, you know, go back to Mama Boon territory. We kind of like, well, where, where are we going here? Uh, I mean, this episode's not really, uh, I feel, a victim of that. I think this episode is, you know, fairly standard nip tuck, and I quite enjoy this episode. Uh, and I agree with you. Like, we kind of get to what season three is about when it comes to the carver. Um, and there's one scene, which I forgot, I, I should have really teased a little bit more about this in our last episode. There's one scene in this episode, which I think this is probably the one scene that I just, I nearly can't watch. It's just like, oh, just nightmare-inducing. Um, so, you know, and it's, it's, it's kind of, there's so many elements to this episode. I remember watching this when it aired, just kind of with the whole Raya Reynolds storyline about the, is she lying, is she telling the truth storyline? You know what I mean? Like, I just kind of, the first time I watched it, it was, I was really intrigued by this, like, oh, you know, and it's kind of just, it's interesting, sort of, the elements of this episode. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm excited to talk about this episode. There's lots of good, there's lots of, some interesting stuff. And, of course, Annie is back in this episode, so... Um, just, sorry, just to calm myself down there. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you shouldn't get so excited about a a 10-year-old girl or whatever she's supposed to be. It's slightly wrong. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, I mean, mean, we can kick off um, straight away with this Ellie Harkness character who, um, you know, she wants to have surgery, so she looks more like the the woman that her husband remembers because he's had, um, kind of quite sudden onset Alzheimer's. It's a really sad story, you know, that she, you know, became a, a short story writer or something and suddenly she was away from him a lot and, and called him back one night and he said he didn't remember her and, um, you know, then her son found him wandering around the, you know, the streets or whatever because he, you know, he had this very sudden onset Alzheimer's and, you know, all he can remember of her is this picture of her when she was younger, so she wants surgery. And, you know, obviously Sean is straight away, you know, he's the ethical one and he's saying no, that it's, you know, it's going to be bad for her and because of her age, it's it's probably not a good idea. But this is kind of one of those ones that tugs on your heartstrings straight away. Yeah, and it's it's interesting because kind of we, we get a lot of the time, don't we, when it comes to uh, these storylines. It's very rare that we see them, like, reject a, a story, isn't it? like a, a patient, isn't it? And, like, you know, kind of the way sort of he walks out with her, you kind of think, oh, this is, that's it. It's kind of like the Michael Jackson one from, what, season one. 
Um, so, but yeah, I mean, this storyline is, um, it's sad. I mean, it's just kind of this whole way it's played out. And, you know, you you often forget that this is kind of, this one of the, these episodes where, you know, the episode's Raya Reynolds, but, you know, you could easily have had this episode named after her because she's so memorable as a, as a, as a patient. So it's kind of like one of these ones where one of the side patients is just as memorable as the main one. So I kind of think when we get to our season three recap, we'll definitely have to bookmark here Ellie in terms of one of these memorable one-off people, even though she's not what the episode's named after. Um, but just in terms of long-term fans of uh, other shows and things like that, just a special note, this uh, actress, Kay Callan, uh, the esteemed Martha Kent from Lois and Clark. I don't know if you were a Lois and Clark fan in the 90s, oh, Nick. Right. But uh, this is yeah, Superman's no, mum. <laughs> right, okay. Well, there you go. No, I never knew that. Um, I think she's a really good actress. You know, yeah, just the, this, this, you know, the scene she has in this is, is obviously pretty meaty, so it's, it's easy to get into it because it's really emotional stuff. So she's given a lot of good stuff to work with. But I think this is one of those ones where, you know, like it, it kind of grounds the, the whole thing of plastic surgery a little bit because, you know, a lot of these stories are, are ridiculous. And, and, and even when they're not ridiculous, it's, it's people who want that kind of superficial makeover, whether it's a, a boob job or whatever it is. And so it's it's really nice to kind of have one here that is kind of grounded in something that I'm sure you know, most people either have experienced this themselves or know somebody that's had to go through something like this. And, you know, it's, it's pretty heartbreaking. So I think it kind of just grounds the whole thing really well. And, and, and you need episodes like this because otherwise Nip Tuck would kind of just go off on, on kind of crazy tangents, which it definitely does. But I think that, you know, having these really kind of grounded um, surgeries and patients is a good thing for the show. Yeah, and it's kind of like the the Sean storyline. This is why Sean does plastic surgery, not why Christian does it. If you know what I mean, kind of the, yeah, you know, this yeah. is Sean's defense of of this as you know why this is a good thing. And I, I kind of like, obviously, you know, as we often go on with our episodes on on Nip Tuck, and that you know, there's generally always the the theme of the episode. And this is kind of when she says that line, you know, haven't you ever hurt somebody that you loved and wished you could go back and sort of, you know, fix it and that sort of thing. So the kind of, we get that sort of tying in beautifully, don't we, to the bit where he clearly looks at Matt's photo. So there's no subtlety in this scene. Um, yeah, well, what I really like though is, you know, was it only last episode or, the, or two episodes before we were talking about, you know, the, the photo on the desk being of Annie and Matt. So now Annie's not, Annie's not only getting cut out of the show, she's getting cut out of the photos that are on the show. So, you know, <laughs> yes up on this episode otherwise things would be looking really bleak for her. but yeah no but it, even, even that way. scene nick when we get to annie there's something kind of slightly hilarious about what is happening with annie in this scene which oh, anyway. yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah and i mean the, the, and you know i think this is one of those funny episodes where i i kind of think that the show doesn't really show its age like it's not one of those ones where you can watch immediately and go yep that this came out in 2005 it's not necessarily that in it but there is kind of moments in it, and I think this is one of those episodes where you do get it because the whole "you got served" thing. This oh, uh, this yeah. was definitely a thing at the time, you know, the whole thing about you got served, and and here here Sean literally gets served with restraining order papers from Matt, um, and this kind of you know sets us off on the you know the fallout from the last episode, which we kind of discussed last time. So you know it's good to see that the storyline's been followed up on. Um, you know, so you know he obviously gets this this restraining order, goes around to Julia's place, and there's a bit of a showdown between him and Matt. And um, yeah, I mean, we talked a little bit last time about John Hensley and his acting, and I think it just kind of shines through here again that you know Sean's the one losing control, and and Matt's very kind of calm and just letting it all unfold. But you know, this kind of calm psychopath type demeanor to him. Yeah, I mean, this is interesting, kind of like how heavy centric this is all on Matt. We didn't have him in the first episode, then kind of episodes two, three, and four are sort of centric around Matt. 
we kind of get Matt disappearing for a little bit after this episode again. So it's kind of, it's interesting what they do with him. But yeah, no, I agree with everything there yeah, with John Hensley for sure. Just kind of this psychopathic sort of style of Matt here. And I just love like, you know, this whole idea of, oh, Dr. McNamara, you've been served. Like, I'd love to hear from an American who maybe has been in a situation like this. Do these people legitimately come up to your happy-go-lucky like, oh, Nick, how you doing? You've been served. And then walk off and, like, feel good about themselves. Like, why is there so, like, this happy, like, oh, I'm going to, like, tease you. You think you're going to, like, be happy to see me. You got served. Like, I don't get well, it. I, mean, I, could, I, I could be wrong about it a little bit, but I, I seem to think that it was something about until you've actually been served with the papers that, you know, and so you had this whole hilarious thing of people would run away from if they saw somebody coming with papers like this, they would literally run away because no, you know, no action could be taken against them until they've been served with papers. Because you know, right. obviously, you've got that that more litigious society where it's it's not about the police arresting you and charging you with a crime, but people actually suing you. So right, right, right. you know, they have to be chased up a little bit if they want to be sued. So they need and, to be calm a little bit at the beginning so they don't run away from them. Yeah, it's almost like the undercover cops type of thing. I mean, and I could be completely wrong about that. Like I say, this is a bit of a benchmark of of the the times here a little bit that, you know, this was quite a common thing. And yes, anyway, we kind of get the showdown between between Matt and and Sean. And uh, I don't know what you think about this, but the the thing I find quite interesting about the whole thing is is his attitude towards Julia. And he kind of pins the blame on her a little bit. You know, what does he call it like? Machiavellian bullshit that you're trying to, you know, get sole custody of the kids and all this kind of thing. And, you know, I never kind of got that sense from Julia. I think that they've been building the storyline that Sean and Julia are separated, but they're getting along really well. And this kind of sparks off a whole arc that starts here, really, where, you know, Julia's pissed off at Sean, um, which we'll get into in later episodes, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's it's weird kind of with this storyline. It's maybe something I'm not really paying attention to too much to now. And, Maybe we went over a little bit of this about what Liz a couple of episodes ago about what are they doing with her. It's kind of like, well, what are they doing with Sean and Jul- uh, Sean and, uh, yeah, Sean and Julia. I know their names at this point because like, you know, we joked about the, you know, oh, here we go. They're back together again. Oh no, they're breaking up. They're back together again, which is an ongoing theme. But like, you're completely right. Even sort of in the scene an episode ago when he punches Matt, kind of Julia's all team. Let's get behind him here and help him out. And all of a sudden we kind of switch focus next episode and it's kind of like, it's almost like she's team Matt here. And, like, okay, fair well, enough, if, he punched him, yeah. but, like, at the same time, it's kind of weird. And then, yeah, for him to all of a sudden be like, you're just doing this to get sole custody. And it's kind of like, it's just, uh, is she? Like, what? And then, like, later in this episode, she's kind of back to the defense of Sean. So, like, it's kind of, it is a bit of a strange scenario what these two are kind of dealing with at the moment. It's kind of, it's hard to read what they're really trying to imply with these two at the moment. Yeah, I think so. And uh, it's one of those funny quirks about Sean is that he's, you know, he's generally one of these, these characters who, you know, you sympathize with and you really like him. And, um, but then he has these kind of, uh, this kind of anger that bursts out every now and then. And it, yeah. it kind of some of the stuff he does, like obviously in the last episode is, you know, it's pretty hard to, um, to accept that, you know, like, so yeah, I can totally, I can totally see why Julia would be kind of team Matt and, you know, it's a mother's instinct, I suppose, to kind of kick in. But I mean, you can we as as an audience can see Matt kind of smirking the whole time, and so we know what's going on. Um, I love his, 
Yeah, so I'm just going to say I love kind of the way he's there dealing with the phone. It's like, they said that you would do this, that you would try and blame me. Yeah. Um, you know, and yeah. they said that these events are never isolated. And then, like, that bit when he's like, you choked mum. And it's just like, oh, how did you know about that? Then he stares at Julia, obviously, like she told him about, you know, that incident, which I love how that keeps mm-hmm. getting brought back into it. I think it's kind of like a nice little, you know, ongoing moment, which, you know, we talked about that, obviously, when that happened. But how that's kind of keeps getting brought up here, you know, obviously, um, Julie's mum brought it up and now we're kind of getting it brought up here and we'll get it brought up with those, the worst social workers in the world, um, later in this episode. Yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, John Hensley just, you know, the he's really not in this episode a lot, actually, but he does like shine whenever he's on screen. Yeah. 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 Totally. And then we kind of move on to the surgery scene where they're, they're repairing the work of a self-harmer who's been cutting their arms and this kind of leads into a little bit of a storyline and the underlying thing as you've talked about is you know what how do you deal with when you've hurt somebody um how do you how do you undo that harm and you know we get into this kind of almost subplot a little bit about about self-harm as you know the physical pain kind of takes away from the mental pain and I think it's kind of not dealt with particularly well in this episode in terms of you know, this is quite a serious issue and this is really just you see this and then you see obviously right at the end of the episode of Sean doing it to himself and it, it, it's kind of just a very blunt way of kind of showing this I guess and you know it's something that can go into a bit more detail if they wanted to but they choose not to. Yeah for a show that generally deals with this sort of stuff really well I, I would agree with that I mean it's kind of and I don't know whether that comes down to the fact that you've got a lot going on this episode. They didn't have enough time. Maybe there were deleted scenes. Maybe we met this patient a little bit more uh, and they just couldn't fit it in because there's so much. Or maybe because, you know, this is still not a time in, you know, society they can overly address this, if you know what I mean. Like, it's not something that even Nip Tuck kind of not afraid to, you know, talk about these things. I mean, for God's sakes, in a couple of episodes when we get to necrophilia and incest sort of combined. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, you think there's not really anything taboo Nip Tuck wants to go with. But, um, yeah, and, and it's kind of, it is very interesting the way they deal with this. And, you know, just even sort of Christian's line there where it's like, well, why are we doing this? She's just going to do it again anyway. Um, yeah. Which I think kind of like, look, it's it's... There's so many different levels you can look at this, and it's not a sort of debate about this in terms of what we can talk about, our own opinions on kind of this sort of stuff, but it's just, it is just like, you know, we generally get a sort of scene like this where we get the characters talking about an issue, so we're going to get them all giving their viewpoint on it, it's generally what these surgery scenes are, but um, yeah, it is, it's kind of just the way it's, I don't say gelled over. But, I mean, I, I kind of think, like, what it leads up into in the final scene, it's quite a powerful final scene, kind of up there with a lot yeah, of I stuff think, we see, yeah. which we'll obviously get to that. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Without yeah, yeah, without totally. this scene, though, the surgery scene, that, that scene at the end maybe doesn't make sense. Yeah, and I think maybe we're dwelling on it a bit because, you know, we have such high expectations for the show that it deals with the stuff really well. And so sometimes you just got to give it a pass. And it's, there's actually nothing much there. It's just, yeah. you know, it's a passing mention and they've kind of moved on. And, and, and that's fine as well. Um, yeah, so I mean, we kind of obviously, um, um, why do I keep wanting to call him Carlo? This is a problem I've got. I keep wanting to call him Carlo, and I have no idea why I want to keep calling call him Carlo. Call him Carlo. Yeah, he's a Carlo. His name, but his name Carlo. Is, yeah, obviously, uh, Quentin comes in and, and says that the new Carver victims arrived, and, um, we go into some, some quite interesting stuff here, obviously, with, with Christian, who's having, um, phantom, phantom pains. Um, sure, I, I shouldn't be laughing, um. But, it is, you know, it's obviously played up for comedy a little bit, I suppose, this whole thing. But, you know, Christian's not been dealing with this, you know, as well as he potentially could be. And it's nice that they kind of cut back to this because I think that this is something where, you know, Christian's had a lot of shit happen to him in his life, not just this scene. And 
it, it's nice that they don't forget that, that they kind of go back to, you know, well, Christian's actually been through a lot and you know, how's he dealing with this? And, you know, we have this quite, I think, really good scene between Sean and Christian where basically he's saying that he's, you know, he's still having um, repercussions from what happened and, you know, he's basically having pains in his, in his anus um, and he wants... <laughs> you want Sean to um, examine him because he hasn't actually told anybody else about the rape. So it's one of those, like, it's a really sensitive scene, but it's also, like, it, I guess you kind of have to play it for comedy a little bit because, you know, if, if you if you try and play this straight, it's just going to feel really, really awkward. I think this is just classic Nip Tuck and classic Ryan Murphy, you know, just the way you can play this off. It's such a serious matter and the way they kind of they they mix it with drama you know seriousness a touchy subject and then they can still kind of play a bit of a comedic scene out of it you know i just think this is just sums up the show and i think that you know it's kind of just the way sort of you know because you're expecting this to happen and i think this is you'd leave it through christian here you know as we as you kind of mentioned it's been a little bit since we've kind of dealt with the carver but there was ultimately going to be another victim christian's obviously been expecting this he has to obviously deal with the repercussions mentally because you know he was the last victim so he then has to deal with all this sort of stuff and obviously how they're going to like refer it to ian Sachs, the other uh, plastic surgeon or was that woman from last season or the other season that she's just disappeared off the radar with another uh miami esteemed plastic surgeon being mentioned here and i just kind of like the scene here like kind of where they we because it is something like you mentioned that hasn't really been dealt with probably really since the premiere because we get that line where sean says oh we haven't really talked since the beach which basically is the opening of this entire season um and then kind of you know christian i love the way he avoids it He's kind of like, oh, how are you dealing with the um, the restraining order? And I can't remember what the quote that Sean says. He's like, oh, pretty terrible and bad. Now your turn. Like, you know, just yeah. the way he kind of does uh, that. Yeah. And that's so good because it, it's kind of really typical of Christian's character that, you know, he he would rather avoid it by, you know, kind of throwing an insult back at the person. That's kind of how Christian deals with situations like this. And, you know, it's great that Sean doesn't take the bait. You know, he just basically handles it and moves it back to Christian. And it's it's really good writing. Um, and it's it's well acted as well. You know, you totally yeah. believe it that it's just two guys. Um, and it's just one of those great scenes of these two guys. And there hasn't actually been a whole lot of that in this since that first episode, I don't think. Yeah. And I think so we, it's nice. We kind of, yeah. And I was going to say, I yeah, think sorry, yeah. moving forward, there are many cases now with Nip Tuck where this is kind of when you and I were talking about season one, season two being peak Nip Tuck about this, you know, pairing. There is plenty of stuff moving forward now with this show where they separate them a lot more. Um, so, you know, there, there are definitely long periods of time where you don't get this as much as you did in the first two seasons. So, you know, I'm not saying it never happens. Of course we still get it because it's still about these two, but like, you know, make a most of a lot of these scenes and particularly how they kind of tie that great scene in the great acting, all that sort of stuff to literally about two seconds later, seeing Sean staring at Christian's asshole. Which, um, yeah. I mean, like, we know this isn't done for comedic purposes. This is a serious issue. I mean, Christian was raped. Like, we're not, you know, joking about the issue, but it's just kind of the way it sort of played off. And then we get that fantastic line when uh, Sean's like, oh, I don't see anything here. Maybe you're suffering from some kind of phantom pain. Who do you call for phantom pain? <laughs> Ghostbusters? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's really good. And I think you're right. It just kind of it just captures everything about Nip Tuck in, in one, you know, great scene here, and just reminds you that what the show is. And yeah, I think it's done really, really well. And you know, it obviously, kind of all gets captured by Christian deciding how he actually wants to deal. And part of the the therapy for him is that he's actually going to deal with this by by seeing this latest victim and, and treating them. So this kind of sets us up for what's going to happen in the rest of the episode in a really good way. Um, but then we kind of transition into, you know, Ali's back and she actually 
she's she won't take no for an answer from Sean. You know, and Cicely comes and sees her husband at the rest home. And I, I don't know what these people think that you know these plastic surgeons just have time on their hands to just duck out and do these things. They'll just arrive and. T- I mean, I don't know what it's like, but even trying to get hold of my boss at work, and I work in an office. You know, you've got to book them in and you get a time for a meeting. You know, you don't just wander up to them. Generally speaking, it's um you know it's a busy place. Um, so I'm not sure that that surgeons can you know how long has she been sitting there? Again, it's probably our our fantastic staff at McNamara yeah. Troy have just like, sat there all day until he comes out. <laughs> Remember um, the anyway. very first episode of this show, Nick, when they're like, oh, we're book solid for five months. We can't just fit you in. Uh, well, clearly yes. you can. Uh- <laughs> yes. yes. Yes, and if, if, she'd, if she'd come in um, a couple of weeks' time, then she'd been able to walk in whenever she wanted. God, but, she would have uh, had every part of the spo- body looked over. <laughs> yes, spoiler alert, not really, but uh, anyway. So, yeah, we get this, this scene at the rest home, which I think is really good. Like, it's done really, really well, and the guy who's acting as the, as the husband, he's great, you know. Yeah. And, you know, she kind of comes in and brings him his favourite sandwich or whatever it is, and, um, yeah, it's just this, it's just heartbreaking, eh? Like, it's just it's done so well. Um, and this could have been done in a cheesy way or it could have been overdone or whatever, but it's just done really, really well, I think. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, it's a, I think it's a guava pastry. I've never heard of that before. Maybe it's a Florida thing. I don't know. I didn't have one of them when I was there. So anyway, um, but, um, yeah, it is very heartbreaking. Um, and look, you know, I've, I've never experienced that. Um, but I mean, look, my grandmother kind of has moments, but she's nowhere near this gone. Um, but yeah, it's kind of just the way that, you know, he's like talking to Sean and, you know, she's the love of my life and this sort of stuff. And just even when he's like, oh, if you excuse me, I'm in the middle of a movie. Like, you know, it's just kind of like, wow. So yeah, I can't imagine that this is, uh, something that, um, is, is decent to deal with. And the actor here, Robin Gamel, uh, apparently well known for, uh, contact skyline and apparently played the British UN representative in Austin Powers. So there you go. Oh, right, okay. Mm. Um, I think he does the whole, just the, the looks on his face are really well done. That You know, he, he, he kind of just, you know, has this kind of look about him that he just doesn't trust what's happening to him. And yeah. Just, oh, yeah, just that thought of being trapped in that thing where, you know, he's expecting his wife to come and see him and, and she isn't. And, yeah, just what he must be going through in his mind. I think, and he just portrays it really, really well. So, yeah, and obviously this is kind of what, what tips... Sean over the edge to saying yes to doing the surgery, which is, you know, I, I think it's really well done. Um, I'm, you know, it's really funny with Sean, isn't it? That yeah, he he kind of has these ethical boundaries, but you know, if you kind of get to his heart, he he's always willing to kind of bend those ethical because nothing's changed. I mean, she's still the same age. Yeah. Um, so you know, the, the, all the risks inherent in that surgery are still there, and you know, so that's still all an issue for him, but. You know, you get to his heart, and and he will he will think about it. So, yeah, no, I, I think it's really well done, and kind of sets us up for the the surgery scene later, which I think is a great scene as well. Yeah, no, complete completely agree that he like he does change his mind, <laughs> tug his heartstrings. There you go. Okay, that's fine. Uh, it's, it's just the mm. guava pastries. That's all it is. Apparently, that good. <laughs> Yes, and so then we move on to um, Christian and Carlo um, uh, have 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 surgery with, uh, or have sorry, have a consult with Ray Reynolds, who's the the latest victim, and um, you know immediately um, Christian's feeling uncomfortable because she's dealing with it really well, and, and he's kind of just not buying it. And you know, again, I think you know um, 
Julian McMahon does such a good job with these scenes. You know, he just he really sells that that lack of trust in in her. And I think that this actress is really good as well. You know, she just kind of sells that whole thing really well. I mean, um, if you've ever known somebody like this who is just happy, happy, joy, joy all the time, even when bad things happen to them, um, they yeah, can I be annoying. <laughs> I, I do. I, I like straight away. I, I cannot stand people like that. Um, you know, I'm going to use the example here to connect this to Survivor. This is the JP of heroes, hustlers, and healers. Like, nothing, no matter how bad it is, can phase you. You're going to be positive about everything. Just like, shit happens in the world. You're not a cheerleader for everything. My Lord. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's quite interesting that, you know, if you if you go all the way back to the very first victim that we had of the Carver in Season 2, and, you know, one of the things was that she wasn't able to smile. And this woman's just, everything about her is smiling all the time. And I don't know if that's deliberate or if that's just something that the, that the, that the writers have forgotten about, but this woman kind of comes in and she's smiling, and immediately that would kind of set some alarm bells off to me that maybe this isn't everything that it's meant to be. Um so I don't know how much kind of Christian's, you know, suspicions are up immediately or whether he just has a different view of things now that he's been a victim himself. But, yeah, I think that this woman is just perfectly suited to this role. You know, she just does such a good job with it. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it kind of sets up, you know, what we're going to get through the rest of this really, really well. And, um, yeah, I mean, she gives you that when you say you hate her. I mean, I assume you mean you hate the character. Yes, and, the character. And, uh, yes. Well, act, well, act all the same. So, yeah, no, it, it's it's fun. I mean, I, I really enjoy it, and um, yeah, I, I can't wait for the the scenes we've got coming up with her. But then we're we're swinging back, and we've got one of these great scenes that Nip Tuck does really well, where it's the um, you know kind of two scenes spliced together, where we're doing the consult with um, with Ali, and also the surgery at the same time, um, all set to the you know those were the days music, which uh, you right. know is obviously. But yeah, and I mean it's it's one of those times. It's funny because the more we go on with us watching this show, the more I realise that we we actually you know like the whole thing where they say the music shouldn't be literal. You now, when when you use music for this kind of thing, it shouldn't be an an actual kind of literal telling of what's happening on the show. But Nip Tuck does it really well and seems to get away with it more often than not. Yeah, yeah, no, it does, and. It's just, yeah, this, the music just works so damn well. Um, and just backtrack, Tara Buck plays Raya Reynolds, uh, so any True Blood fan would know that that's Ginger from True Blood, uh, who is just a really trashy sort of crack whore hooker um, in True Blood. Uh, she's hilarious, though. Um, but, yeah, just I kind of like how... Because I think even, like, as I was saying about how watching this for the first time, you are questioning her because, like, I think kind of the telltale scene with, you know, her is that kind of as it's pointed out, like, every single one of the Carver's victims is kind of a model and, like, attractive. And, like, I'm not trying to take away from the actress, Tara Buck, but clearly this character is portrayed to not exactly be the prettiest, if you know what I mean. So it's kind of, it's, like, it's, you. I feel right to question whether or not this person is telling the truth. And I think kind of this is what this episode's really done well in is kind of just this thinking about it and then just kind of, you know, ultimately what will happen to her. But, yeah, it's even just the positivity of just her and everything. But, um, yeah, I love the fact that we get a, a brief return of that computer program. Did you notice that? The uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, of course. You know, yeah. very brief. And, like, you know, I'm pretty sure we barely see it again. We might get another random appearance. But I just love the fact that there it is, uh, our beloved computer program that uh, can magically change everything. 
So, but yeah, I agree with you. Just the, I love this sort of side-by-side editing when, you know, he's explaining it and just even the back and forth between, uh, you know, Sean and, and her just kind of, it's great sort of chemistry, like, uh, between these two. So, um, yeah, I think it's really well done. Yeah, and uh, even the kind of creepy bits where he's talking about, we're going to use your own blood to make glue, you know? Yeah, like that's that. fascinating. I, I, I don't doubt that's an actual thing because, you know, they had medical consultants, as you do on medical shows, so I'm sure yeah. that's a legitimate thing. But um, you're like, yeah, yeah that, that fascinated me. That was kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. So it all just works really well. Um, and I do like the kind of the final kind of button on that where he kind of says, you know, any more questions? And he says, yes, are you this nice to all your patients? And I think that kind of just that kind of captures Sean really well. Um that he's got a good bedside manner and, and you know, he's a, he's a bloody good doctor and it, it just kind of comes through on the scene really well. So, yeah, and no, I, I really, really enjoy it and, um, yeah, I'm not sure I can add too much more to that, really. It's it's good stuff. Well, it's a good sort of comparison with this episode, sort of with the Bedside Manor comics. We obviously get that comment by um, Quinton in the, the bit where it's like, oh, I'm sorry, my pot colleague must have been playing hockey when uh, during the Bedside Manor class or whatever it was. And then yeah. kind of we get that weird sort of parallel, don't we, how good Christian, uh, sorry, how good Sean is being here to Ellie. But then when it comes to Christian, we're about to see this, that he's just been the complete utter opposite to, to Raya. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, it's one of those things as well as I think um, Sean, you know, when he's got these bad things going on in, in his, his personal life as he kind of throws himself into work, that's something that you see quite a lot on the show and this is just another example of that. And yeah, then we go into this the pre-operation stuff with with Raya and, and Christian's making this apology and, you know, saying it's hard to accept how well she's dealing with what's happened to her when he's still struggling and, um, you know, what feels like a really heartfelt apology from him um, and then she immediately does the, you know, while I'm under, can you do a little bit of work to my nose? <laughs> and obviously that's the real tell. I mean, and I think that that's been chucked in there for anyone in the audience who hasn't picked up on this yet, um, is to make sure that it's it's really obvious that this is a fraudster who's, you know, trying to get something. Because I actually don't think that it, I, I'm not sure that this this line actually really works all that well in terms of, can you do something to my nose? Because I, I don't feel that it really compliments the character i don't think the character's there to try and get some some free surgery i think that you know she's done this to herself so that she can get some publicity and and have some attention um but i think that the lines are there just to kind of make it really obvious to anyone who hasn't really picked up on that yet yeah for sure and i kind of think that um you know we obviously get that when she sort of confesses later on but um yeah no i agree it's kind of it is there to sort of really make it sort of questionable and everything and I think it's kind of it's well done when all the reveals and everything come across throughout this episode with everything too. So yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's really good. But uh, Ben, I've got two words for you. <laughs> Any talking? Oh, she's back. She she is. Again, <laughs> so it's probably very awkward that I do get this excited over a ten-year-old girl. But um, as we've um, established in real life, she's not ten anymore. She's very much of legal age, and I I can always say that even though she has not agreed to come on the show, well, she didn't disagree either, but. I did briefly speak to her in real life on Instagram, so it's the closest I've ever gotten to Annie. So. <laughs> it's happened. Um, yeah, and I mean, it's, it's obviously that, yeah, we, we talked about it a little bit earlier in the, in the, the episode about we've got these two child protection officers who turn up because, oh. you know, since there's been a complaint laid against Sean that they've got to come and interview her. And, yeah, this is, this is absolutely terrible. I mean, it, the whole thing is, is played really, really badly. I mean, I think, and, and deliberately so. You know, like, it's really made to, to feel like these two don't really give a shit about this kid. They're just there to kind of be bad cops type of thing. Um, yeah, what's that woman out of? She's definitely familiar from something. 
Yeah, I was thinking the same thing too. Um, uh, what what is her name? Um, do we get her name? Because if I can see it here on IMDb, um, as usual, we've, we've done the hard yards research before we uh, stepped up to the microphone. Is she Lynn James? Um, maybe. Um, possibly. Yeah, but no, I, I'm with you. I've definitely. It is no. You know who she is. She's um, um, uh. Wait, did you watch Home Improvement? She was um. Oh right, Eileen. Okay, yep. Eileen wasn't she yep. with Al? Al wasn't like yep. her. And, yeah, 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 yeah. That, yep. That's who she yep. is. There we go. Yep. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's one of those things that you see them on an episode of something. Yeah. A lot of times, but you don't actually really pay attention to them all that much. And then when you see them on something else, it's like, oh my god. Yeah. Um. But yeah, you kind of get this awkward thing where they come in and and you know she goes away to the bedroom with Annie and makes her take her clothes off, which uh, surely you can't just do this. You know, this is the bit that I just find totally weird. Is that this? This surely is not a thing. Uh, Sherry Hersey, by the way, that's the actress's name. Just to go over that, yeah. I mean, this is where I say like these are the worst social workers ever. Like, I mean, uh, you know, it's kind of you feel it's it's part of the system. Obviously, as I explain, they're here because you know a restraining order. We've got to check on the other kids, but like, legitimately, yeah. I don't know if that's a thing, and maybe that's why it's you know. I mean, imagine if they switch this around, the man went in there to take her clothes off. You know what I mean? Like. It's kind of, I don't know, like, it's just, it is a weird thing. But then even then, if it's a thing, you're allowed to do that. How dumb is this woman? Like, she's got a contusion on her knee and a scab on her ankle. It's like, she plays soccer, you moron. Like, I mean, that's exactly what Christian, uh, Sean says. And then when Annie's kind of like, I play this doing soccer. It's like, ow, that hurts. Like, how stupid is this woman? And how do they have the right to, like, you know, contain her until, like, Julius shows up and, oh, you're not allowed to be alone with your daughter. What has he done? Like, this is just, they are the worst social workers in the world. Well, I think it's really weird as well as that. You would think that if this was actually happening, then what would have happened is that, you know, Sean would have got a call and said, hey, look, unfortunately, we've got to follow this. You know, you may not like it, but, you know, this is how the system works and we're going to have to have an appointment with you and we're going to have to, you know, come come around and meet with you. Um, you wouldn't just rock up unannounced to somebody's house and interview both of them at the same time but in separate rooms. So, you know, while she's been examined by this complete stranger in a bedroom, he's kind of been interrogated by this other guy. It's just, it's just not what would happen in real life, you know. Even, even I know that. Yeah, and I think it's kind of like... Surely, in the when he gets that letter that says you've got a restraining order, like there would surely be a thing because, like, I know random visits are a thing in certain contexts, but surely that you, I'm sure you would have to be informed that you know there will be random. You know what I mean? Like it's kind of like when yeah. custody cases, you know, there are random visits. You got to check on the home and stuff like that. But surely there's a legal precedence there where you've got to at least be told there will be random visits. Like it's like an athlete who knows they're going to get randomly drug tested at some point. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's kind of, it's, it's, you're aware it's random, but it, yeah, like I agree with you. Like I don't, I don't see how this is a thing that they can just show up in the door and be like, we're from social services. We have like, I mean, couldn't like freaky pedophiles do this? Like we're from social services to quickly flack, flash, flash a bag. Cause let's be honest, someone knocks on your door right now and they quickly flash a bag in your face. You see a gold shield and they quickly cover it up. Are you looking at that quickly? Like, I mean, are you going to be... A, I mean, you might be. I don't know. Are you the type of person who's like, oh, no, please show me that badge again. I need to make sure it's legitimate. Um, yeah. And yeah. they could just, like, walk in and just be like, oh, I'm just going to undress your daughter to make sure that, you know, she's got no scabs playing soccer. So, yeah. Well, I think this- most, most of us, to a, to a degree, are kind of 
you know, apprehensive of authority and that, you know, if somebody flashes a badge, we're probably just going to take them at word, you know, because that's just generally who most of us are. So, yeah, exactly. you're totally right about that. Yeah, and, and, you know, they get this whole thing of you know, now she can't be left alone, so we've got to wait for Julia to come around. And, yeah, it's just like a completely awkward scene. And, you know, Sean's obviously beside himself. And, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's all really interesting stuff. Um, it's just, you're yeah, just slightly tempered by the fact that it feels so unrealistic, I guess. Poor, and let's be honest, though, at the end of the day, this is where this scene is kind of like, I don't know if ironic is the right word, but the fact that they're willing to take Annie away because it's like, she's got, like, let's be honest, they've gotten the words like, yes, we believe that you just lock your daughter in a room while you go off and do everything. We've avoided seeing your daughter. You just see, you've removed her photo from your desk. Do you realise you have a daughter, (laughs) Sean and Julia? Yeah. Yeah. This is why they're there. Yeah, totally, yeah. (laughs) It's it's not it's not abuse. It's neglect. Yeah, exactly. They've finally caught on. Now the like the Miami system of justice has finally worked out that you know oh shit they're ignoring their ten year olds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And while that's all going on, we're we're back with Quentin and Christian and, and talking about you know Christian obviously doesn't believe her. Um, you know, and and we get this whole this whole thing that you, Quentin doesn't really believe him. He doesn't think that this is this is for real, you know, that obviously she's been attacked and, and yeah, I mean, I don't know that there's too much more to really add to this scene. I think it's just no. one of those things that sets up what's going to happen in the surgery scene, which is probably the next one we want to talk about really. Um, you know, we get some, we get some quite cool setup from these two guys, but ultimately the kind of, the big set piece of this whole scene really is, is the bit that involves um, Raya being operated on. And, and you know, oh. if this is the shit out of you, nothing will. I mean, I don't know what you're like for horror movies, but I'm not really a horror movies type of guy. But when you see something in a movie or a TV show that, um, you know, is something that could happen to you or that makes you feel, you know, um, <laughs> just just creepy and it's kind of like a real life thing then this is one of those things because you know immediately the thing i think about is you know i've gotten to 33 without ever having to have surgery or, or be under anesthetic and it's like god this could happen to me you know and it's the kind of thing you don't like to think about it's like watching a a, a plane crash movie before you get on a plane really isn't it it's um it's yeah. just really really terrifying yeah but i think they do such a good job you know it kind of starts with the the pov is from raya's perspective and um then you kind of get her her talking obviously but she you know she's awake and she's kind of talking but they can't hear her and um then obviously when it goes into the screaming it's just it's it's horrible to the point where i'm watching this and my dog's in the room and my dog kind of like gets up and wonders what the hell's going on on the tv while she's screaming yeah i mean i don't cringe a lot in this show um you know i kind of even the surgery scenes and stuff like that, I can generally stomach them. There's just something so unsettling about this scene that I sometimes, I just have to look away. I just, uh, and like, I am with you. I'm, I don't, I'm not, it's not that I'm against horror films. I've just never been a type of person who goes out of my way to watch them. Uh, if anything, I'm the type of person who just goes onto YouTube, types in saw death scenes and just watches all the people getting chopped up on saw because it's kind of over the yeah. top and funny. Um, but yeah. like, yeah, like this, this really, I've, I'm the same as you. I've never had, surgery i've never kind of had to be in this situation with that but if this ever comes to the day where i have to this is the scene that i just remember in my head because i've heard stories i've seen stuff in the media about this happening in real life um so you know this is kind of going into the nip tuck using things in real life and this is the thing that would absolutely terrify the fuck out of me that you just cannot do a thing about this you can feel everything that's happening like like my sister's had two children three children and like each time she's had them she's had c-sections and she's been awake during them and like clearly they like they put the screen in front and you can't feel it 
But like that to me, like how are you awake knowing that there are legitimately people cutting you open? And like, like I just, to me, that is baffling. Um, you know, and I don't often talk positive. I don't talk much about my sister, to be completely honest. We don't have the best relationship, but I respect my sister for being able to, able to be in a situation like that. We could do that because I couldn't do it. And, like, this to me would just terrify the crap out of me. And, like, it's so well edited because, like, yeah, we sort of get that POV. And just even that bit where they just sort of cut to her and you just hear her saying, like, oh, my toes are cold, you know. Oh, when does the um, anesthetic kick in? And you kind of think she's still awake. But then you kind of see her and she's not awake. And you're like, what's yeah. going on here? And then just, like, when she's like, ow, I can feel that. Like, that hurts. What are you doing? And then yeah. it's just, like, when you see that tear drop down her eye, uh, the, the music, which is a song called A Cry For Love by the Black Heart Procession. I mean, I've never heard of any of them before, but, like, that band, but just the way it plays in, oh, it's just, it's just terrifying. It's so, yeah. like... Yeah. And, look, I mean, this is this is a case which, I, again, I don't think this will make the top five at the end of this season. I'm just putting this up there as a potential nominee. Like, maybe it's a top 15, top 20 moment for this season. I doubt very much this would make our top five, but I mean, it's just so powerfully done in the fact that it's it, it gets that effect from you. Um, so yeah, God, I mean, it's... I would I wouldn't count it out because I think it, I think it definitely is one for the discussion at the very least because I, I think it is just it kind of shows something that's kind of very real and raw and I, I, yeah, it's just it's so well done. I think just even the you know the the way the camera work you know that starts from a POV and then it's kind of hovering mm-hmm. over here and kind of the camera swivels and i think it's all just done really really well um you know to be able to sell that pain just through her kind of her dialogue and her screaming because obviously her facial expressions don't change at all and yeah i think it's really really good and and obviously then we go straight into this the scene afterwards where she's with the lawyer and she's been you know she wants to sue these guys and and all that kind of stuff and and basically ends with her admitting that she had cut herself and you know that that kind of ends the any kind of the legal stuff that kind of comes with it really doesn't it? i mean there's a little bit of stuff with liz afterwards but um not a huge amount because obviously she's now admitting that that she's cut herself and basically gotten free surgery out of it type of thing so um anything that that she's kind of got on these guys is yeah i don't know i mean i still don't know where that would kind of sit legally that you know in america i imagine that this would still be a bit of an issue but it it kind of all goes away doesn't it in terms of the storytelling once she admits that she cut herself which which i think which is really cleverly done about this whole storyline it is also how it also connects into the next episode which i don't really think is played up too much with the next episode about what they could potentially say what will happen but um it's yeah like the fact that this is done this this happens to a patient who is a liar so like you know it is kind of that you know boy who cried wolf syndrome isn't it of kind of like well you know you're a liar once a liar always a liar well now how the hell are we meant to believe you um and i just kind of like her reveal when she's like you know it was a butter knife not a grapefruit knife which i had no idea there was such a thing as a grapefruit knife i didn't realize you had separate knives for different types of fruit but okay clearly i don't need enough fruit um but yeah just and just her admission here to why she did it and all this sort of stuff it's yeah i mean it's just yeah i i I couldn't tell you how this would stand legally i kind of like you know liz's point where she's like you know suspend me it shows that you're at least taking action here um and yeah it's just that it would be a very interesting situation because what 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 leg does this woman have to stand on you know she's admitted that she's lied about this whole thing so even if she is to sue them and go to the media about this sort of stuff like her only evidence here is that she can drop a few lines of what they say in surgery 
And I couldn't, I couldn't imagine that any form of defense lawyer would be like, well, you've just read that in a book, so you know they're going to say that during the surgery, if you know what I mean. Yeah. The only one that really might yeah. give it away is when she says, you said I used a grapefruit knife. It was a butter knife. You know, that's the only one maybe that you could argue. But even then, yeah. it's just her word against theirs. What do they, they don't record the audio of the surgery, I doubt. So, you know, what, what, you know, I think at the end of the day, she ain't got a case just because she can't really prove it at the end of the day. Well, I, and I think probably the the thing that annoys me a little bit about this is it does feel a little bit like every ending of an episode of Criminal Minds or something like yeah. that, where <laughs> basically you end up in, you, you end up interrogating the the suspect so much that they just you know out and admit what they've done, and that doesn't feel like real life to me. That's not something that generally happens, I don't think. So um, it does feel slightly convenient um, that you know she chooses this moment to kind of spill her guts, um, but yeah, I still think it is really well done. So it's it's it, it's definitely kind of great i mean the whole surgery scene's obviously right up there but yeah i mean the stuff after it's good as well um yeah so i mean we're obviously uh, not quite done with raya just yet so we're going to come back to her in just a moment but that's kind of the the end of that particular little bit of her story really in, in terms of the surgery and stuff like that but we, we kind of have skipped over a little bit of the stuff with ellie where obviously she's back you know post-surgery and, and kind of ripping her stitches out and um I'm not sure there's too much in that scene that we really need to go over all that much. I, I think that the stuff with her at the rest home is kind of where we're getting to. Where obviously Sean takes her to the rest home after she's had all that work done. And um, again, going back to this guy who's who's playing her husband, the the facial reaction is really good because you you do almost think for a moment that he's going to recognise her. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you know, and he does kind of say, "Oh, you know, you look familiar," but he he kind of can't place her. And then obviously he introduces her to his girlfriend at the rest home. And um, yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah, buddy, Trudy. Yeah, yeah. Typical Trudy. Yeah. I love Trudy. I love Trudy's one, one line where she's just like, hello. Well, so even, even, even like uh, Tease and Edge hates bloody um, Trudy in the background there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, they hate it too. Everyone which, which can I just say, based on our Titanic episode, which we love Trudy in Titanic, but this Trudy, no. Boo. <laughs> um so i mean how do you rate sean's sean's surgery skills here anyway do you think he's done a good job i look i think I, I this is kind of one of those ones which i'm sure you probably picked up on because i know you've mentioned this a lot of the time i think when it came to Kay callan i reckon they've probably made her look older and a bit more disheveled at the beginning so that then they can get this scene where they do make her look really sort of different um because i think you can notice it can i just say that photo that she shows does that not look a little bit like Vanessa Redgrave to you? Like, yeah, they does, just yeah. got a picture of, like, Julia's mother. Um, but, yeah, I, I think it's kind of a case of where they've, yeah, made her definitely look a bit dishevelled at the beginning so that they can make her look. But, yeah, he's done a good job. This is one of those ones I think you can really tell. A lot of the time in facelift scenes, to me, you can't really tell a lot of the time, uh, which I guess they can't really give facial, uh, you know, facelifts to real actors. I mean, they might. They're actors. But, uh, you know, this is one where, like, with the hair done out, she really does look like that photo. So I think, uh, yeah, Sean's done great. The uh, the makeup effects team on Nip Tuck have done great. And, yeah, just as you were saying, the facial expressions there uh, by Carl, you really do think that he's believed her. But Nip Tuck being Nip Tuck, it's very rare we get a happy ending. So, you know, stupid fucking Trudy's there. So, you know, and she's yeah. ugly. Like, fuck you, Carl. <laughs> Trudy's weird looking. Like, boo. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I do like as well as kind of like the look on um, Ali's face when you know he kind of says this is my this is my girlfriend you know I think it's done really well she's got this massive smile because she thinks she's done it 
and um, then obviously just the realization of what's happened. That's um. Do you think? Sean, yeah, it, do you think Sean's all... trying to get into her pants? So you know, oh, do you want to go out for dinner? And he keeps calling her beautiful, and I don't know. I feel like Sean's trying something here. <laughs> I, I don't think Sean's trying something here, but um, <laughs> I think I think he's just a really nice guy who goes the extra mile for you yeah. know for his patients. I I had Such to go there because it's me, but anyway. <laughs> so I mean, yeah, that's um, it's a sad ending to the episode, and and we, we kind of get into this, um, you know, the, the, this one last scene, obviously, where Sean gets home, and um, you know, after he's been he's been rejected for a date with with, with his patient, um, <laughs> and and he gets home, and, and Matt's dropped the restraining order, but um, you know, kind of says it's it's not for him, and um, his line there, you know, we're pretty much done. It's oh. it's, it's it's a rough line, you know, and. Um, you know, poor old Sean, he, he, he's not happy about it. Yeah, just this is the way he delivers it. Like, you and me, we're pretty much done. Like, oh, God. And then just, like, the bit where he's there, like, you know, I'm begging you, hit me. And what does what um, Matt say? Like, you're very sad. And then just leaves. Um, which, nobody in this show ever leaves through the front door at Sean's house. Have you ever realised <laughs> that? They always go through the side glass door. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it's another powerful scene. And, you know, we don't see John Hensley at least for a couple of episodes. So, um I don't know what he's doing, um, but uh, yeah, it's um, it's kind of yeah, just just the line when he says we're pretty much done, and this is something that you know it is. I, it does take a little bit before Matt and Sean get get on good terms again. So it's kind of not one of these TV moments where two weeks later it's fine and you've just forgotten about. Like this is something that does take some time to get built back up again. Yeah, I think so, and um, it's it's quite funny because I think one of the things that we kind of haven't really pointed out on the show before is that you know if you're a fan of Game of Thrones and you like to see these these kind of um, ever changing dynamics between the you know the key groups or the key families, you know, the, this thing is quite like that. There's always these um, changing alliances, you know, like one week Sean and Christian are getting on, and the next minute they're not, and Sean and Matt are getting on, and then it's Christian and Matt, and then Julia and Matt, and you know, like it's always changing, and you know, from week to week, we, you know, you could almost plot it like a chessboard in terms of who's on side with who. Um, and, you know, so right now, obviously, um, Sean and Matt are not on the same side. Um, Sean and Julia are not on the same side. And uh, so Sean's really only got Christian, and, and that's not particularly strong at the moment. Yeah, no, it's it really does um, up and down constantly, uh, which, you know, I, I, I've never watched um, Game of Thrones, but, uh, you know, kind of this dynamic that they sort of have. I mean, you know, obviously on our Lost uh, coverage that we're doing, it's kind of obviously very character-driven and very centric around relationships. So, um, you know, Nip Tuck does it, I think, very well. Yeah, yeah. And so then we kind of get into what is the, the really the final scene of this episode, I suppose, before we go into a bit of a montage finish, which is, um, you know, Liz is desperate to, to kind of show what's been going on and, um, you know, thinks that, the, you know, the bottle that she's used has gone down the, the sewers and, you know, all that kind of thing. And, um, yeah, I mean, ends up with Christian basically saying, oh, well, put me under and I'll, we'll see if it works or not. And, um, you, you know, I think that, what is it, what is this line he says? I could use a few moments of oblivion or something yeah, like that, you know? Yeah, It's a really well line, isn't it? Yeah, no, I completely agree. And it's kind of, it's a, it's a good way of doing it, I guess, at the end of the day, kind of testing it out on him. Um, so... Yeah, I think it's um it's a it's a solid way and just this yeah, this final montage though. Like wow. Yeah, well I mean there's lots going on in this montage. Obviously it kinda it kinda starts and, and we kinda get the similar um 
um, camera position, don't we, where it kind of starts on, on top of Christian kind of zooms out, which is, you know, it's, it's clever that they've used a similar type of way that they did with, with Raya in that scene. So it kind of links the two together, which is really good. And then we get the kind of little, the, the cut scenes as well of um, um, Ellie back at the rest home, you know, just sitting with with uh, our lovely Trudy um, and Carl at the rest home and, and then obviously Sean um, doing some, some self-mutilation with the big knife, um, yeah, which is all pretty pretty powerful stuff, and all leads up to this final scene with with Raya where she's home and um, get this you know this awesome scene where she's kind of putting everything on this all the food on a tray and then turns around and the carver's there um, and she kind of drops everything, um, falls to her knees and and then we get the you know kind of what is what's the line from the carver basically of you know you've made a mess but we're going to give you everything you wanted which was true pain and you know final final you know moment of the episode is this knife coming down on her which is which is just awesome isn't it. Yeah, this is like one of these occasions where just it's just such a powerful ending in so many levels. I mean, you know, obviously with Sean cutting himself, Christian sort of getting knocked out, and just this sort of attack on Raya, and just the the song here. And this is this is one of these moments I think as an Australian that um, we we all know the singer Sia uh, as seen in Survivor Co Rong finale in Love with Ty. <laughs> Um, but like, you know, she's gone on to be a pretty well-known household name of a pop singer in the 2010s, but she'd been around for a long bloody time. And this show, what, this is 2005. This is Sia, this song we're hearing. It's called Numb. Um, it's such a great song. It just fits this scene so well. But, you know, he's random Sia 2005, pre-really famous Sia. Uh, but anyway, um, you know, just, yeah, everything about this is just great. Just, you know, Sean cutting himself. It's... And this is the thing, like, this isn't a scene, I think, that's done for cheapness of a character, oh, they're so depressed, they're going to self-harm. I think it just kind of, it, again, always ties in. It's always Sean. We've gone over this with Sean, isn't it? He's the one who's kind of the one who will do things like this. So, you know, you can't you kind of understand why Sean's doing this. Um, and kind of, you know, Sean's really going on a, an interesting path this season. Um, so, you know, we'll see how that goes. But yeah, just the final sequence here with Raya, who, can I just point out when she's making herself like a toast? Why is she one of these people with a tray that actually puts a flower on her own tray? Like, what's the point of that? <laughs> I've never understood and I mean, that. Like, why does she not just put the peanut butter on the toast before she, yeah. she has to? <laughs> yeah, it's one of those one of those weird things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, just the way it sort of ends. There's here's the carver. He's back, and then jump. You know, cut. And we're yeah. done. So yeah. Uh- I think the thing I like too is it's one of those rare episodes where, you know, normally you have an episode that kind of ends on this kind of emotional arc that ties up the, the story beats that you've had in, in this particular episode, or you have a cliffhanger. Um, it's pretty rare to get both and for them to be effective. And I think this is one where they pull it off with both really, really well, which, yeah, like I say, it's a pretty rare thing to do. Well, it reminds me a little bit of Nanette Babcock when kind of she kills herself right at the end in that final scene. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the difference is, is that, you know, with Nanette Babcock, we don't really get reference to that maybe to a few episodes later. Whereas, you know, this time around, obviously we're into the opening scene of the next episode with this. So, um, yeah, done, done very, very well. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's a very powerful way to end the episode. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't think there's, there's too much more we can say there because it's, it's going to be fun to kind of get into that, that next episode. So we can probably just go straight into our, uh, buy it, rent it or bin it. So where are you sitting on this one? The, uh, the officially renamed segment of this show, the Evil Review segment. Download our third watch recaps to get that joke. Um, but <laughs> you have no idea what I'm talking about. Um, yeah, like, I like this episode, and I think it's got some great stuff in it. Um, and I just really think kind of we're leading now into Nip Tuck Season 3 of where are we going with this season and kind of, 
you know, we, we sort of mentioned that at the beginning and sort of we said that with Mama Boone, but, you know, we've kind of gone on a bit of a decent streak. At least I have. I've bought the the next two. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I think I'm going to buy this one. It's a very low buy for me just because I think kind of the last scene really sells it to me. We've got some, you know, stuff there going in the middle and just the, the iconic nature of just that cringeworthy scene, the surgery. You know, I always remember this scene. So I think on the grand scheme of Nip Tuck, when you remember a scene so vividly from an episode, I think it's important. Um, I kind of just think sort of the development of what's going to happen to Sean this season and kind of the resolution of the the three sort of Matt story arc here that we've gotten leading him into where he's going. Um, I definitely think this is a buy. And I'm going to say this now, might be my last buy for some time because uh, we're going to get into a few episodes here now where I'm all over the shop and I'll, I'll maybe speak a little bit more when we come to you previewing the next episode. But, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, for me, it's a, it is a buy as well. And I, I kind of think, like, on these episodes, you, what you're looking for is um, some good character scenes, um, you know, a, a compelling patient for that episode, um, some great surgery scenes. And, um, you know, if you can if you can get two out of three of them, it's probably a rent. And um, we've got three out of three here, I think, with this one. So it's, it, it's got to be a buy, I think. And I think for all the same reasons you're saying in terms of it being a, um, you know, some memorable stuff here, I think it's really good. And... The ending, I think, in and of itself is definitely something that makes it a buy. You know, it's, it's, the, it's the last thing you remember. So, yep, I'm definitely going to back you up there and, and, and have it as a buy. Um, yeah, so it, it's nice to be back on a buy after the, the last one. I don't think I, I bought the last one, did I? I can't no, remember you, anymore. You, rent, you rented the last one. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, no, it's nice to be back on a buy. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it is one of those ones where you, you can't – you kind of got to talk about where we're going next after this one because – um, yeah, you do end on that cliffhanger and we kind of come straight back into it and we get a, a quite an unusual episode next time where we kind of get away from the surgery where there's not a lot of surgery in the next one. It's it's really this kind of almost police procedural type of thing. It, it's quite interesting. Um, it's different in its own way. So I'm looking forward to, to kind of getting back into that. Yeah, I mean, we've gone over this in terms of we, we generally get at least one of these a season, don't we, where it's kind of out of the, the office and we sort of, you know, get a sort of a side plot um i really don't know how i feel about this episode this is always an episode to me where i just i just don't know where my thoughts end up on because it's not a completely terrible terrible episode but it's not a good episode either it's just it's it's not nip tuck this next episode let's be honest this is not a nip tuck episode next episode um we get some interesting backstory when it comes to christian um, but I just, I really don't know. And I can honestly say going into this, and I hate saying this because I sound like one of those Survivor jury members. I don't know which way my vote's going tonight. You do. Uh, I, <laughs> I don't know how my rating will go for this. And this is kind of a weird one because like I can easily bin the next episode, but I could get turned around and buy it. I don't know. I'm looking here on IMDb, uh, on their, mo- their rated episodes in terms of, you know, the, the audience rating, uh, overall where they feel this, this comes in out of all the episodes. According to IMDb users, this is the ninth greatest episode of Nip Tuck of all time. That is fucking bullshit. Um, so. Well, the, just, one we, well, the one we've just watched. No, Granville Trap, our next one. They're calling this a top 10 episode of Nip Tuck. And yeah, having no, just said I what I said in terms of like, I could potentially buy this. I'm going to say right now, I'm not going to buy it. It's between rent and bin. Um, but I'm just trying to sell this really badly. But, you know, I just... Yeah, I don't know where I'm going with this. There's definitely one episode this season that I know for sure I'm bidding. This might be a definite bin or it might be a very low rent. I don't know. This, I'm just weird on this episode. It's a strange episode, the next episode. 
Yeah, it is. It's definitely different. Um, and it's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, sometimes you need the difference to, to appreciate what you've got here. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure where I'm going next. So um, it'll be interesting to see if you can convince me one way or the other, that's for sure. <laughs> I don't think I'm very good at doing that, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think for now we can probably leave that here. So, um, yeah, I mean, definitely give us some feedback of uh, what you're enjoying or maybe what you're not enjoying about these episodes that you'd like to hear from us. But um, you can find us in all the usual places, you know, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, um, anywhere else they can reach us, Ben, that I've forgotten. Uh, Instagram, YouTube, Carrier Pigeon. Yeah. <laughs> if you, uh, yeah, if you can get to us by Carrier Pigeon, I'd be seriously impressed. So, I would be, yeah. actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But no, we uh, make sure you um, you give us a review on, on iTunes as well. That's always really helpful. But uh, no, we enjoy bringing these episodes to you and kind of starting to get into a bit of a rhythm here in, in season three. Yeah, I do agree. Uh, there, cool. Nicholas Checkta. Check- Your name is Checkta. I've renamed Checkta. you Nicholas Checkta. Makes me sound Russian or something. But anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, so, so moving right along, um, we've enjoyed bringing this episode to you. It's, uh, that's it from me. And uh, who do you call for Phantom Pain? Ghostbusters? Uh, my name is Ben. And Daddy, why do they call it High Tea? Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.